I'm going to go ahead and I'm just going to dive right into the message this morning. I want to bring back an old church tradition. Can we have a little old church right here? Can we do a little old tradition? Um, it's actually something we find in the Old Testament. And um, what they would do is when they would read the scriptures and the word of God, the whole congregation, all the people of Israel would stand to their feet out of reverence for the word of God. So I'm going to read you today's verse, and I would love for us to kind of do that old tradition of, uh, would you stand with me for the reading of the word of God? Today's reading comes out of 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. It says, I... Peter, you may be seated. Thank you so much for standing with me. That's the scripture. That's it. You may be seated. Uh, It's not a joke, but it kind of is. Um, I, Peter, or in other words, my name is Peter. That's today's scripture verse. That's, That's it. I'm telling you, that's the only scripture I brought for you today. My name is Peter. I find that verse absolutely fascinating. See, sometimes we read the Bible too fast. Our pastor says, hey, you should read the Bible. And you're like, all right, here I go. Uh, so-and-so, we got so-and-so, we got so-and-so, a lot of babies. Next, you know, like, just like, I don't know what I'm reading, but check, I did it. Pastor, I read the Bible. What did it say? I don't know, but I checked it off my list. Um, listen. The Bible is not something you just check off your list. It's something you grow from. That means one day you might read a whole chapter, another day, one verse is just going to stop you in your tracks. And you're not in a race to like finish it. You know, you're, you're in this to grow from it. And when I first read first Peter chapter one, and he said, my name is Peter. I was like, what? What? No, it's not. That's not his name. That's what's crazy. It's like me coming here and be like, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Tom. No, it's not. Your name is Jason. His name wasn't Peter. That's why I love that verse. He's just, he's just being like, this is my new name. His name was Simon. It's not Peter. His name was Simon. Now, where do we get the word Simon from? Where do you get that name from? Well, to explain where we get the name Simon and what it means, I have to take you on to just a crazy story. Are you guys ready for a crazy story? I've got to rewind to the Old Testament and explain one of the weirdest stories in the book of Genesis. And Genesis got a few. All right. But this one, I need to introduce you to two sisters. All right. We have an older sister named Leah. Everyone say Leah. The older sister name was Leah. Um, Here's how the Bible describes Leah. First of all, are there any Leahs here? Oh, there is. God bless you. I want to let you know if you're a Leah. uh, First of all, you are loved. Um, And second of all, um, your name does not mean this anymore. I'm talking about this is like a Hebrew word from a long time ago. So do not be offended by this name. But back then, in that language, Leah was translated wild cow. Not anymore. Your parents didn't know that. They do love you. (laughs) But back, back then, that name was translated wild cow. The Bible describes Leah... First of all, by saying she was older. Now, how many women would hate that description? <laughs> she was older. Not, not, a great, not a great beginning for Leah's story. She was older. And then it describes her as someone who wasn't that pretty to look at. Right? So already, Leah's story is kind of not, it's kind of sad. But it gets worse. Here's how it gets worse. Leah had a younger sister Named Rachel. Everyone say Rachel. All right. So remember, we have an older sister whose name was, which is translated, wild cow. And we have a younger sister whose name was Rachel. And when the Bible describes Rachel, the Bible says she was beautiful in face and in form. The Bible's calling her a Coke bottle. 
That, that's what the Bible says. She was a hashtag Coke bottle. So if you're Leah, you're described as being the older wild cow. But your younger sister is described as a Coke bottle. And her whole life, she has to grow up in the shadow of her younger sister. She walks into a, a party. It's like, oh, oh, it's just Leah, guys. Leah, when's your sister coming? Right? Her whole life, it's always like, is Rachel coming? Because let's be real, we're here for Rachel. She's the eye candy. We're here for Rachel. Her whole life, growing up in the shadow, always feeling unloved. Always feeling unloved. But, my friends, she was hopeful. She had a dream. She knew, because she was the older daughter in that culture, she would get to get married first. So she couldn't wait. One day, one day, my prince will come. One day! I'm going to have my own Disney princess story. I'm going to have a wedding. And that wedding is going to solve all my problems. You ever met someone who thought marriage would solve all their problems and it just got worse? She could not wait to get married. She could not wait for that wedding day. She thought, finally, I will be loved. She couldn't wait. Well, her and her sister were on this farm and... One day, a boy showed up. Dun, dun. A boy showed up. He was a good-looking boy. His name was Jacob. And he saw Leah, and he was like, nah. He saw Rachel, and he was like, praise Jesus. <laughs> There's a Coke bottle I would like to drink. So, <laughs> so I love you, sir. Thank you. Please keep laughing at all my jokes. It helps. <laughs> so, so he goes to Leah and Rachel's father, and he says, I would like to marry Rachel. And the father says, cool, work for me for seven years, and I'll let you marry her. But what the father doesn't tell Jacob is that in that culture, you have to marry the older daughter first. Leaves that out, you know, not the, you know wasn't going to be the best advertisement. So he just says, yeah, seven years. Jacob works for seven years. Isn't that beautiful? It's like a beautiful love story. I'm going to work for you. for. It's like the notebook in the Bible. I'm going to work for you for seven years. I wrote to you every day. He works for seven years. And then the story gets, oh, it gets a little weird, my friends. He thinks he's about to marry Rachel. On his wedding night, um, I guess, I don't know, they didn't have electricity. So he couldn't see her, I guess. And I'm just going to skip to what to the morning. Like, we can just skip. There's kids here. I'm just going to skip to the next day. When he wakes up, surprise! It's Leah! Now, now, I'm not here to be bummed for Jacob, because honestly, let's be real, he got what he wanted. <laughs> he had a great night. I'm here. To <laughs> I'm here to talk about Leah. Her whole life, she has been looking forward to this wedding night, this marriage, thinking I will finally be loved. And then she wakes up the next morning, and when she looks in her husband's eyes, all she sees is disappointment. He looks at her and says, you're not Rachel. You know how many times she's heard that? You're not Rachel. She thought this would, she would finally feel loved. She would finally feel wanted. Her own husband doesn't want her. Doesn't love her. Her husband, Jacob, he goes to her father and says, hey, Why'd you give me the wild cow? <laughs> I I wanted the Coke bottle. And he's like, oh, yeah, I forgot to tell you. You know, you you have to marry the older one first. But here's the deal. You work for me for another seven years. If you commit to that, I'll let you marry Rachel right now. You won't even have to wait seven years. So my friends, can I tell you something? Leah 
gets one night with her husband, and then she's kicked to the curb. Her sister once again takes the spotlight. Once again, she's living in her sister's shadow. Once again, she feels unloved. But she has a plan. She has a dream. She says, I know if I have a baby, he will love me. Yeah, you know how many people I've met who thought a baby would save the relationship? Oh, this will, this will fix our marriage. He'll be stuck with me now. If I have a baby, he'll have to love me. Always wanting that validation from Jacob. Always feeling unloved. But she, she has that baby. And you know what? It doesn't, doesn't change the fact that Jacob doesn't love her. So she names her baby Simeon. And the reason is, she says, because the Lord heard that I was unloved and gave me this child. So Simeon's name kind of means, has to do with the fact of, I am unloved. Can you imagine little Simeon? Hey, mom, how do you get my name? Well, your, your dad doesn't love me. So, so that's why your name is Simeon? Yes. You, you could have just made up something. You didn't have to tell me that. <laughs> Simeon basically means I am unloved. And Simeon is where we get the name Simon in the New Testament. Simon Peter. Simon's name, he was born with the name Simon, which comes from Simeon, which means I am unloved. But Jesus comes to Simon and he calls him to be a disciple and he says, hey, what's your name? He's like, I am unloved. <laughs> what? I am unloved. No, it's not. I'm going to call you Peter. Now, here's the thing. When we hear the name Peter, we hear a name. We think it's a name, like Peter Pan, Peter Parker. We think Peter is a name. But back then, when Jesus says Peter, of course, he didn't actually use the word Peter. He literally is saying rock. Peter means rock. And I, so it's... it's it's like being like, hi, you are chair, you are cloud, you are plant. Like, it's a thing. It's not a name. He literally comes up to Simon and says, hi, Simon, you're a rock. I'm calling you a rock. I'm calling you cement. I'm calling you a mountain. I'm calling you concrete. I'm calling you a boulder. I am calling you strong. And Simon's like, sweet. And Jesus is like, when you introduce yourself to people, I want you to go up to them and be like, hi, I am rock. I am Groot. I am, I am a rock. You are a rock. Jesus sees Simon as a rock. But my question is this. Jesus sees Simon as a rock. But at what point did Simon see Simon as a rock? That's my question. Just because Jesus calls you a rock doesn't mean you act like one. Doesn't mean you feel like one. Doesn't mean that you see yourself at one. This whole message is about identity. At what point did Simon step into Peter? At what point did he finally become the rock that Jesus was calling him? And I have some theories. But to do that, I need to take you to two separate nights to figure this out. First, I want to take you to the best night of Peter's life. And then I want to take you to the worst night of Peter's life. Let's start with the best night of Peter's life. Peter, he's in the boat with his friends, the disciples. They're in the boat. All of a sudden, they see something scary in the distance, and they think it's a ghost. Like, oh my goodness, there's a ghost. And Peter's like, wait a minute, that's Jesus. That's not a ghost, guys. That's Jesus walking on water, which is crazy. I've tried walking on water. Ever since I was a little kid, I have tried walking on water. I put on the floaties just in case, so clearly I didn't have faith. <laughs> I would go to the community pool, put my floaties on, and just like, here I go, today's my day. And just fall into the water, get out and think, you have a little faith, I'll be back tomorrow. Never could walk on water. Jesus is walking on water, and Simon, who Jesus calls Peter, 
Simon sees Jesus and says, Jesus, if that is you, tell me to come to you. And Jesus says, come at me, bro. So Simon takes his foot out of the boat and starts walking on water. That's incredible. And here, here, here's my issue. What happens next? You know, Simon's walking on water and then he takes his eyes off of Jesus. He focuses on the winds and the waves and begins to sink. And most preachers and sermons always focus on the moment that Simon started to sink. I'm like, but wait a minute. He walked on water. When have you done that? I've, I've tried and I still can't. Why are we focusing on the fact that he failed rather than the fact that he's the only one who got out of that boat? See, when we only focus on his failure, what we're telling people is, hey, you should stay in the boat. Because if you get out, I'm going to preach about it. If you attempt the impossible and you don't quite get it, we're going to focus on that. And not on the fact that 11 disciples did nothing. What were those disciples doing? Do you know that Simon's brother, Andrew, was in that boat and still didn't get out? My brother and I are competitive. Like, when I was a baby, my brother was like four, and my parents let my brother name me. I was this close to being named Poopstick. I'm very fortunate. I'm very fortunate I'm Jason David. It was a close one. But him and I grew up in sports. You know, Michael Jordan, of course, was our hero. And if you're a LeBron fan, uh, Space Jam 2 was not that good. But, but, <laughs> but man, like for me, it will always be Michael Jordan. So we grew up, man, and so we just, we, we, we really want, we tried to like sell lemonade so we could afford like the million dollar Air Jordan shoes. And, and we grew up playing sports. We were so competitive. We weren't that good, but we were competitive. If, if I was in a boat, and my brother started walking on water. I'm not going to stay in the boat. I'm going to start doing this. I'm going to race him. I will race him. to First one that Jesus gets to name the church. Like I'm getting out of that boat. I can't let him beat me. He'll, anytime we have an argument from now on. He'll be like, yeah, but which one of us walked on water? Come on, let it go. We focus on Peter falling. But I want to know, what, what were the other disciples doing? They were just comfortable in that boat. I have a theory. My theory is that the disciples didn't want to get wet. <laughs> That's my theory. They didn't want to get wet. Here's why I have that theory. When I was a little boy, my parents would take our whole little uh, kids group to, up to Portland, Oregon. I'm from San Diego, California. We would drive all the way to Portland, Oregon for summer camp. And at this camp, there was this big lake. And we had this young boy with us. From, from South Africa and uh, just had this rich South African accent and he just loved the life and he loved being a part of our church and he could not wait to be on the lake and he wanted to take the, they had a canoe and he wanted to take the canoe out to the lake so he took one of his friends they got on this canoe and they went out to the middle of the lake and uh, they're just having the time of their lives and all of a sudden while they're out there their canoe full on goes Titanic <laughs> it just Goes up in the air and starts, blah, 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 starts going down. Violins are playing. What's her name? Celine Dion is singing. Like, he just starts going down. The lifeguard, by the way, is watching. There's a lifeguard there watching the entire thing. Now, this young boy, he doesn't know how to swim. So he's out in the middle of a lake. Him and his friend can't swim. The canoe's going down. They're trying to keep their head above water. This lifeguard is just watching. Now, at that camp, uh, the pastor's daughter, who was in charge of the camp, pastor's daughter, was watching this take place. She's fully dressed, right? She's in full-on clothes. But she sees this. She jumps into the lake, full-on Wonder Woman. She swims, grabs both boys and the canoe. She saved the canoe. She, she grabs both boys and the canoe and brings them to shore. Just epic. As she is getting out of the water, the lifeguard looks at her and says, wow, you look good wet. He did not know that her father, the senior pastor, was standing right behind him. 
And I heard that pastor say words that I know are not in the Bible. He said things about his mother that I promise you are not true. He, and I got to be honest, it was exciting to watch. I got to see a pastor become fully human because pastors are human. He forgot he was a Christian. He forgot that kids were watching. He said, man, he went off on this guy and they fired that lifeguard on the spot. But first they asked him, why didn't you get in the water to save that kid? To which the lifeguard said, I didn't want to get wet. (laughs) What'd you sign up for? You're a lifeguard. This isn't Baywatch. You actually have to save people. And too many Christians would rather stay in the boat and not get wet. I don't want to be inconvenienced. I don't want to have faith. I just want to sit in the boat. Peter got out of a boat and walked on water. And for a brief moment, he was a rock. For a brief moment, he was stepping into that identity of being a rock. But then, yes, he did look at the winds and the waves and became a Simon again. Started sinking. I've noticed this, that as Christians, as we're trying to become this, this new identity, we kind of become spiritually bipolar. Some days we're, we're a rock. Oh, I've got faith today, Pastor. The next day, I don't know if God's real. <laughs> I don't know. Someone just cut me off in traffic, and I'm really having some doubts right now. You know, I might just be an atheist this weekend. There's a, there's a, my friend invited me to a party, so I'm just going to be a quick atheist. But I'll be back on Sunday. I'll be a rock again. We kind of become a spiritually bipolar. And, and that's what Simon, he's struggling with. Some moments, he's a rock. And some moments, he feels unloved. And now I want to take you to the worst night of his life. Jesus is with the disciples. They're having what's called the Last Supper. That should have been a clue. Just kidding. It wasn't called Last Supper yet. They're having the Last Supper. And Jesus tells them, tonight, I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to lay down my life. And Simon says, I will die for you. I'm not going to let that happen. I will die with you. And Jesus says to Simon... You know, it's really nice of you to say, but you're actually going to deny three times that you even know me. A rooster's going to crow, and, 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 you'll, and, and, and Simon's offended. He's hurt by that. He's like, Jesus, we're, we're best friends. I would never deny you. Spoiler alert. They head to the garden, and Jesus says, hey, while we're in this garden, uh, let's pray. And Simon's like, yeah, let's pray. And he falls asleep. Jesus comes and wakes him up. Hey, people are about to come arrest me. Like, let's pray. He's like, that sounds good. And then he falls asleep. All of a sudden, he wakes up to the sound of marching. It's dark out there. It's nighttime. They don't have electricity. But in the distance, he can see an orange flickering light. And that light is growing. Torches are approaching from the distance. A mob of people with torches and weapons are approaching Jesus. Simon starts getting nervous. Starts getting nervous. Heart starts pounding. And all of a sudden, these soldiers, this mob, tries to arrest Jesus. And Simon is like, this is my moment. I'm going to be a rock. More like I'm going to be rocky right now. I brought a sword. <laughs> he had a sword. <laughs> he takes out his sword and he cuts a dude's ear off. Now, sometimes I feel like I should have gone into the Halloween costume business. And I would have done a whole Bible line of Halloween costumes. Like there could be Samson, there could be a lion, stuff like that. But for Peter... It would come with a sword and a detachable ear. <laughs> and I think, I think it would fly off the shelves at Halloween time. He cuts the dude's ear off. But listen, I don't think he was aiming for the ear. I'm pretty sure he was aiming for the head. And the guy ducked. He got his ear. Here's what I'm trying to say. Simon tried to murder someone. So if you're here and you're like,
like, I don't know if God can use me. I've tried to kill someone. I've got some good news. Please don't kill me. But listen, God can use you. God can. And listen, if you're like, well, I haven't murdered anyone. Well, this, this should really be encouraging. Because Simon tried to kill someone. Jesus tells Simon, put your sword away. What are you doing? And Simon realizes, oh, my goodness. Jesus is giving up. Jesus is letting this happen. He gets scared and he runs away. All the disciples flee the scene. They're scared. But then Simon decides, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna follow. I'm gonna follow Jesus. So he starts hiding in the bushes. He's following as they arrest Jesus and they take him to a sham trial. It was a totally rigged trial. It was a fake trial. People are lying and witnesses are coming up and saying stuff that Jesus never said. And all of a sudden they start to beat Jesus. They start to rip his beard out of his face. They blindfold him. They spit on him. They're beating him to a pulp. And Simon sees Jesus being beaten and he gets scared. I might be next. If if that's how they're going to treat Jesus, how are they going to treat someone who followed Jesus? And while he's having these thoughts, a little girl comes up to him and says, Hey, hey, you're a follower of Jesus. And he's like, he looks at her. He looks at Jesus being beaten. And he thinks if they find out I'm with him, they're going to hurt me. So in this moment of fear and panic and weakness, Simon does a very Simon thing. He says, no, I don't know that man. So another person says, no, no, I can tell by your accent. Uh, you're from Galilee. You're with Jesus. He says, no. And at this point, the Bible says he starts cursing at them. I don't bleep and know him. Like he was a cussing fisherman. And it starts coming back. I don't bleep and know him. Another person says, no, I've seen you with Jesus. And he says, bleep, 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 bleep. I don't know him. And then the rooster crows. And the Bible says, at that moment, he locked eyes with Jesus. <sighs> Do you know the embarrassment and the shame you would feel to have just denied your best friend, betrayed your best friend three times in a row? And then you look at him in the eyes? Peter begins to weep. Jesus said this would happen. Jesus said this would happen. I what this wasn't supposed to happen. I said I would be there for him. I said I would die with him. But when the moment came, I was just a wimp. What have I done? And in this moment, the Bible says Simon went fishing. What I believe is happening here is he is going back to his old life. The life he had before Jesus. Because he feels too ashamed and embarrassed. And he thinks Jesus is probably mad at me. I failed him. I'm disqualified. I'll just go back to being a Simon because at least I was good at that. I'm not, being, I'm not good at being a Jesus follower. See, some of us, we get tired of not being good at this church thing. So we think, maybe I'll just go back to my old lifestyle because at least I was good at that. I'm not good at being a Christian, but I'm really good at being a sinner. And I'm tired of not being good at things, so I'm going to go back to the old life that I knew. At one point, it says, go tell the disciples and Peter. Which tells me that Simon Peter didn't even view himself as a disciple anymore. I believe Simon just quit. Simon just quit. I'm, I, I, I'm not good enough. And he goes fishing. I imagine he was scared to talk to Jesus. Scared of what Jesus might say. Probably going over and over in his head. 
things that Jesus could say to him. Some of us, our fathers, said such cruel things to us. And we think God's voice sounds like our earthly father's voice. So Simon probably is picturing Jesus saying, Simon, you idiot. What's wrong with you? What were you thinking? How could you be so stupid? Why can't you be more like your brother Andrew? You embarrassed me. I imagine he's replaying these potential words in his head, thinking that that's what God's voice sounds like. So he's just like, you know what? Rather than having that awkward conversation, I'm just going to quit. I'm done. I'm done. And he's gone fishing. And then, three days later, there's a rumor. There's a rumor that Jesus has risen from the dead. But Simon, he's out fishing. And Jesus shows up on the shoreline. And he sees Simon in the boat. And he says, Peter! Rock! Strong man! Boulder! Cement! Concrete! I'm still going to call you by how I see you! You see yourself as Simon right now, but I'm calling you Peter. Rock. Let's have some fish and chips. So Simon Peter comes to the shore. And they start eating some fish together. And in this moment. Jesus says to Simon. A question. And I imagine that Simon braces himself. Here it comes. I, I deserve it. I deserve it. I'm just going to take it like a man. Here it comes, Jesus. Tell me, how, tell me how embarrassed you are. Tell me how ashamed you are. Tell me that I'm not good enough. I'm ready. Just tell me, tell me. And Jesus says, Simon, Peter, do you love me? What? What? Simon, Peter, Peter, do you love me? Yeah, well, yeah, but don't we need to talk about how I tried to kill someone? Well, we can talk about that later, but do you love me? Yeah, but yeah, can we talk about how I cussed out a little girl? Uh, yeah, we can talk about that later. Do you love me? Yeah, but, but I betrayed you three times. I know, but all I care about right now is love. All I care about right now is our relationship. Are we good? Are we okay? Do you love me? Because I love you. Do you love me because I love you? But Jesus, I tried to kill him. Yeah, that's why we have Celebrate Recovery. But listen. Do you love me? And that's the only question that matters right now. Is a question about our relationship. I'm not here to bring up your past. I'm not here to bring up your shame and your embarrassment. I'm here to talk about our relationship. Do you love me? Because I love you. Now, here's the problem with English. There's a lot of problems with the English language. But here's one of them. When you read this story in the Bible, it goes like this. Jesus says, do you love me? Peter says, yes, I love you. Jesus says, do you love me? A second time. Peter says, yeah, I love you. A third time, Jesus says, do you love me? And Peter's like, yes, you know all things. You know that I love you. And that's, you know, that's the English version. And you are missing out on so much. Because in English, we have one word for love. I love ice cream. And I love my mom. I love pizza. And I love my wife. We should not be using the same word for all of that. My feelings for pizza are not the same as my wife's. I promise. But we have one word in English. I love pizza. I love my wife. But... In the original language, there's multiple words for love. So when Jesus says to Peter, do you love me? He's using the word agape. Peter, do you unconditionally love me? 
the kind of love that you would give your life for me? And Peter says, yes, I love you. But the word he uses for love is phileo. I like you like a friend. We're like brothers. That's not what Jesus asked. Jesus says, do you agape me? He's like, I phileo you. That's like, you know, when you go up to the girl and you're like, I love you. And she's like, I just want to be friends. Peter, do you love me unconditionally? Would you go to the end of the world for me? Uh, We're friends. I like you. So really the English should say, Peter, do you love me? Jesus, I like you. So Jesus asked him again, Peter, do you agape me? Do you love me unconditionally? And Peter's like, I like you. We're like brothers. And then, the third time that Jesus says, do you love me? He changes the word from agape to phileo. Agape to phileo. In English, it's like this. First, Peter says, do you love me? I mean, sorry, Jesus says to Peter, do you love me? Peter says, I like you. Second time, Jesus says, do you love me? Peter says, I like you. And the third time, Jesus changes the question and says, Peter, do you like me? Peter, do you like me? And Peter says, yes, you know all things. You know that I like you. What? Jesus just changed the question so that Peter can get the answer right. And I am fascinated that I serve a God who will change the question so that I can qualify. That blows my mind. God said, Jason, do you love me? And I'm like, I don't know if I'm ready for that, but I am interested. I do like you. He's like, all right. Hey, are you interested? Do you like me? Yes, I got the answer right. Jesus lowered the standards so that I could qualify. What kind of a God does that? What kind of a a God so loves you and me that when we're not fully ready to commit, he says, okay, I'll come down to you. I'll become human. I'll come down to your level and then pull you up. You're not ready yet? Well, here's what I want to know. Do you like me? Are you at least a little bit interested? Will you give me a chance? Because I will take you on a world-changing mission. I can use you. I don't care about your past. I don't care about your shame and your embarrassment. I just care about you. I'm not mad at you. I'm madly in love with you. So, Peter, I just want to know. Do you like me? Because if the answer is yes, I can work with that. I can work with that. I want you to know that no matter what your past is, no matter what you are ashamed of or embarrassed of, God's not ashamed of you. He's not embarrassed of you. He's not disappointed in you. His voice does not sound like the voice of your father. His voice does not sound like the voice of your teacher who berated you in middle school. His voice does not sound like the voice of any human you have ever met. His voice is one of unconditional love. And I've often asked myself, at what point did Simon truly become Peter? And I believe it was this moment on the beach. Why do I say that? Because the next time we see Peter, he gets up on stage and he preaches boldly to 5,000 people and they get saved. And the next time we see Peter, he begins to heal the sick and his shadow begins to heal the sick. We never again see a Simon. We only see a Peter after that beach. Why? Because he came face to face with unconditional love. And it was the goodness of Christ that led him to repentance. Romans says, it's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. And when Peter encountered that love and that goodness, he said, I am a rock. I am a boulder. If he can love me on my worst night. See, it's easy to feel loved on your best night. 
But if he can love me on my worst night, if he can love me when I cuss out little girls, if he can love me when I try to chop a dude's head off, if he can love me when I betrayed him, if he can love me on my worst night, then that's a God worth pursuing. And he becomes Peter. And then he writes a book of the Bible. And he begins that book with, listen, my name is Peter. My name is Rock. My name is Concrete. Yeah, but aren't you the guy who cussed out? My name is Rock. Yeah, but did you try to My name is Rock. I don't need your validation because he called me Rock. I don't need your likes. I don't need your follows. I don't need your silly golden statue awards that mean nothing. He said I'm a rock. So I don't care what you say. Some of us young people, we let other people's opinions of us have way too much power. We identify ourselves based on how other people see us. How silly. Those people aren't experts at anything. They're your age. They don't know anything. God said you're a rock. God said you are strong. You are a boulder. And he's an expert. He would know. You don't need anyone else's validation. And you don't need to let anyone make you feel inferior about yourself. And some of you have been looking in the mirror. And you've been... You've been saying some disrespectful thing about God's creation. Because when you look in the mirror and you hate what you see, you're really hating what God created. Because God made you and you are beautiful and you are strong and you are a rock. Let's not insult God's creation. When you look in that mirror, you need to say, hi, my name is Rock. I'm a, I'm a rock. I, I didn't wake up feeling like one. But I'm going to live like one. Because God's validation is all that I need. God's opinion is all that matters. I would like to close with a song I'm going to do on the piano. And uh, it's a song I wrote. And it's a song I wrote and recorded after losing my tongue to cancer. Uh, It's why I sound like Sid the Sloth when I talk from Ice Age. Uh, Because I lost my tongue to cancer. But the song is called Imagine. It says, imagine my surprise to find out that my life is worth more than dirt to you. Imagine my relief to know and to believe that you would give your all for me. Am I really worth this much to you? Apparently... It's true. I am more than dirt. I am more than dust. You gave your life, so I will give my love to you. Listen, it's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. When God created humanity, he took dirt and he breathed life into it. And sometimes you and I, view ourselves as dirt. We treat ourselves as dirt. And sometimes we treat other people like they are dirt. And we forget that God breathes into that dirt. You are more than dirt. So there's two things I want you to know. First of all, you are loved unconditionally. God wants to use you. Peter was an ordinary guy. God made him extraordinary. Don't put Peter on the pedestal as something you could never be. I mean, he tried to murder someone. I think he would be all right. Peter was just an ordinary fisherman with a blue-collar job, and God used him to do an extraordinary thing. God wants to use you. You are not disqualified. Don't disqualify yourself. God has qualified you. But second, some of us have some people that we love who are not following God, And we so badly want them to follow God. So sometimes we resort to shame and judgment and embarrassment. And we nag them. We keep telling them, you're making bad choices. You're making bad choices. I'm going to quote scripture at you and make you feel guilty. But wait a minute. The Bible says it's the goodness of Christ 
that leads to repentance. Not judgment, not shame, not embarrassment. So let's change our approach. Stop with the nagging and the constantly making them feel bad. How about we represent the unconditional love of Jesus? He said, hey, you're a rock. Let's have some fish and chips. Let's just have a relationship here. And I just want you to know, I love you. I believe it's the love and goodness of God that leads to repentance. So as we sing this song together, I'm just going to sing it over you. Let the words wash over you that you are more than dirt. And uh, maybe you guys could give me some reverb and help my my voice sound better than it is. Surprise to find out that my life. 
my relief to know and to believe that you would give your all for me. Oh, am I really worth this much? Am I really worth this much? Oh, am I really worth this much? Oh, am I really worth this much, God? Am I really worth this much? Apparently it's true So hereby I am to worship Hereby I am to bow down Hereby I am to say that You're my God You're all together lovely All together worthy All Unconditionally, you are good enough. You qualify, but not because of you, but because of him. Um, I would love to just end with one more song with you, but like a real jumping song. Can we do that? Would you stand to your feet? Um, I hope it works. I just quickly threw them a flash drive at the service while they were doing stuff. So it may or may not work. Let's see what happens, you guys. But before we, before we do that, I want to let you know. Before we end with the song, uh, both these songs that I'm doing with you are, are songs that I wrote and recorded after losing my tongue to cancer. I was told I'd never sing again. And now I'm holding a double disc set of 18 songs that I've written and recorded after losing my tongue. It's called Anthems of a Cancer Survivor. And it has the songs you're hearing and a lot more songs. And um, if you also are interested, we brought a book um, called The Story of These Walls has to do with the walls of cancer and, and how God got me through it. It's pretty much, the first half is just pure stand-up comedy, except you're sitting down reading it. Um, it's just comedy. Um, but then it takes you right into God's faithfulness in my life. So it's, it's a really fun book to read. It's great to bless someone with, if you know someone who needs some encouragement. It's called The Story of These Walls, because I wrote a song called These Walls. If you were here last year, you know. God took that song. It went viral. Churches all over the world translated it on any given Sunday. Thousands upon thousands of people are singing the song uh, that I wrote in the midst of fighting cancer. Uh, God took something terrible and made it great. So you can get that story here. And then I promised you I would tell you about the llama. My wife and I, uh, we, we run our own Christian Netflix. It's called MyTribe.Watch. It's our own video streaming platform. We walk families through the Bible in chronological order, helping them understand the whole story from Genesis through the New Testament. And it's really powerful, and families are loving it. 
But um, we have a new show coming out on that on that platform. Um, and it's cool because you can watch it on Roku or Amazon or Apple TV, all that stuff. Um, but it's called The Llama Show. And this is the main character. His name is Lonnie the Llama. And he helps kids with their drama so that they can save the drama for the llama. And, um, and so it teaches kids conflict resolution, character development, social skills. And so we brought some Lonnie's. His show hasn't even premiered yet. So if you want to get like the first, this is like in 1923 when they had the first Mickey Mouse. If you want to get the first Lonnie before his show comes out, we brought those with us as well. And we have some bundles where you can save money. But I would love to end with this, this last song. It says, I will lift my hands to you. I will lift my heart to you. I will lift my eyes to you. Only you. And it's this idea of getting our eyes off of the winds and the waves, getting our eyes off of the mountain and onto the one who can move the mountain. Amen. So I'm going to teach you the song as we sing it together. And then maybe tomorrow night, you'll know the words and we'll do it again. Tomorrow night, you do not want to miss. It's, it's just a night of comedy and videos and live skits and preaching. And it's, we're going we're gonna to do a live presentation of My Tribe. In one night, we're going to walk you from Genesis all the way to Matthew. It's going to open up your understanding of the Bible in brand new ways. So don't miss that. And then maybe we'll sing the song again together. Are you guys ready? Let's see what happens when we press play. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Here we go. Only you. Only you. It goes like this. Jesus, Jesus, you are my reward. All I'm living for When mountains rise When mountains rise up, I lift my eyes up And though you are God alone You are God alone This is your part I will lift my hands to you I will lift my heart to you I will lift my eyes to you Jesus, you are my reward. All I'm living for, all I'm living for. When mountains rise, when mountains rise, oh, I lift my eyes up in the hope. You are God alone. And I will lift my let me see you. I will lift my heart to you, my eyes. I will lift my eyes to you. Only you. Again. I will lift my hands to you. I will lift my heart to you. I will lift my eyes to you.
Chris Royce is sick. I will lift my hands to you. I will lift my hands to you. My eyes. I will lift my eyes to you. One more time. Only you. One more time. I will lift my hands. One more time like you mean. I will lift my hands to you. I will lift my heart to you. I will lift my eyes to you.